Good morning. morning. I found some fancy transitions. The waiting room was filling up. Coughing, sneezing, and moaning filled the room. A mother and her sick child strolled in through the front doors, the bell clanging against the door frame as they entered. Eyes turned to wearily greet them, silently warning them that this may not be the best choice today. The mother walked up to the receptionist's desk to check in. The receptionist took her name and information and informed them that the doctor may or may not be in today. They hadn't heard yet. He comes in whenever he feels like it, really, she said. It's a guessing game every day on whether or not he'll be here. He could get here around 10 or it could be 1 or 2. You can have a seat and wait and he'll see everyone that he can, but he also may only be here for an hour. Reluctantly, the mother sat down with her child. A few minutes later, the entry bell rattled again, and the mother lifted her eyes up, much like the others in the room, greeting the newcomer with weary, warning eyes. Internally, she questioned, how could someone whose responsibility it is to care for, to treat, and encourage children and their parents be so selfish not to show up to do their job? How could he neglect us like this? Imagine if doctors and nurses did that. Showed up to work whenever they felt like it, staying as long as they felt like it, etc. Imagine if you could do that. Some of you are probably thinking, oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Imagine if I did that. Here. That wouldn't be a very good thing. Imagine if construction crews only worked on repairing the bridges that crossed the Ohio River once or twice a month. Maybe we'll just skip the inspection this month. Everyone would get sick. Everyone would not be able to get to where they need to go because bridges would be in the water and there'd be a lot of unhappy people. You see, the same thing goes for our assembling. The reason that we gather here each week is what we've been studying about. It's not just salad that we've been talking about. And this week, we find the last piece of lettuce for our scripture salad and the dressing, really, that brings it all together. Now, the dressing may not be something that's easily palatable, but it's something that we, we have. It's been given to us, and we need to heat it. But that dressing that pulls it all together is connected to our assembling. So let us once again... Read the verses of which we'll focus this morning in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Remember, the let us draw near is how we worship God. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The full salad of lettuce statements is now completed. A full salad that outlines what is necessary for a healthy church. And whether you like it, Dale, or not, salads are healthy and they're good for you. I tend to agree with you that it's rabbit food, but it's good for us. 
But you know what? Rabbits are fast. So if you want to outrun zombies, eat salad, apparently. I don't know. And they do taste good, depending on the dressing, right? Thank you for making my point, Charlie. So the last two verses is where we draw our attention this morning. The previous verses, that gives us all the reasons that we ever really need to put verses 24 and 25 into practice. Now the first section of verses 24 and 25 that I want to draw our attention to are the words consider and one another. Now you put those two together and guess what? You get consider one another. Notice that the the words aren't consider yourself. Selfishness is something that the world struggles with, and it's something that's infiltrating the church. Remember, we are all the church, individually and collectively. And if selfishness influences the collective church, that's because it's coming in through individuals. When we allow the world to influence the church, the church loses its influence in the world. So the Hebrew writer, knowing the problem of selfishness, is attempting to draw us to consider one another and not ourselves. Let us is a call for all of us to do it collectively. It's not just the responsibility of the elders. It's not just the responsibility of the the minister, the deacons, or the, the core group of the body, if you will. It's for all of us, the entire church. There is no core group of the body. We are all the body. We must all strive to consider each other over ourselves. Why? Look down at verse 25 for the next time uh, one another is used. We need to consider one another over ourselves in order to encourage one another. And how do we encourage one another? By meeting together. If we take these words here and allow them to form their own sentence, you get consider one another meet together, and encourage one another. That's the fellowship of the body, church. Now this is not obviously not the only reason that we gather together each week, but it's what happens when we gather. When we worship in spirit and truth, through prayer, through song, through teaching, through preaching, through giving, and uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper... In doing these things we, uh, with our fellow brethren, we are building one another up. We are encouraging one another. But there's more to what the Hebrew writer exhorts. He exhorts us to not just consider one another, but to consider how to stir up one another. Now, some translations may read spur on, motivate, uh, stimulate, and or provoke one another. Now, the Greek word, paroxysmos, means to incite. You may hear that word around riots. They incite, incite it to riot. And in fact, the word paroxysmos actually has a kind of negative connotation to it. But what it derives from is paroxyno, which means to sharpen. And I love that because it points directly to one of my favorite proverbs. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You see, this encouragement, this stirring up, this uh, provocation that the Hebrew writer is encouraging us to do, it's to do so that we can sharpen each other, to make each other stronger. 
And why, why do we do this? What is it based on? Because we have confidence granted to us by the blood of Jesus, by which our hearts are sprinkled clean. We do this by drawing near to Him with a true heart in full assurance of faith, not losing our hold on the hope that we've been promised by God. Because He who promised is faithful. Based on these things, we should consider how to provoke one another, how to provoke one another to love and good works. The two indicates the direction. We need to be provoking our brethren toward loving. Loving who? Loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving one another, loving each other as Christ himself loved us. We are his church. And as adopted children's, children's, no, adopted children of God, we are also Christ's brothers and sisters. We do this by meeting together regularly. We build each other up. We encourage one another by coming together regularly. And if we neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, then we can't do this. The Hebrew writer exhorts us not to neglect meeting together. And the Greek word is actually a bit harsher than neglect. Other translations may use forsake. The Greek word also carries the definition of abandon. Do not abandon one another, as is the habit of some. One of the reasons why fellowship is so important to our Christian health is because of how others encourage us. And at the same time, just our presence, just our comments to one another, just seeing someone's face across the aisle is enough to encourage them sometimes. It's a balance that naturally happens when we gather together regularly, when assembling is done according to what the Scriptures prescribed. So if we are to encourage one another... How else can we do that except by gathering or assembling together? You can't encourage someone just by ignoring them. That's it's not possible. You can't encourage someone by never speaking to them, by never seeing them, by never looking at them. We don't get encouraged by osmosis. Nope, that's something different. That's yeah, that I'm thinking mental telepathy. That's it. That's it. That's not how it's done. It's so easy to fall away when you have no rope to cling to. A rope that is tied to the same sure and steadfast anchor of hope who is Jesus Christ. That rope is our fellow believers. It's the church. The hope is Jesus Christ, but what connects us to that hope is His body. His church, which He established. Of course, our assembling together is one of many means that aids in keeping us strong. The assembling, the fellowship, the encouragement, all of these things that we're expected to provide is to help grow the spiritual maturity of the body as a whole. Ephesians 4, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, Paul writes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, is that maturity, in every way into Him, who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, there's that maturity again, so that it builds itself up in love. The entire body, when working together, is designed to build itself up in love. That's why it's so important to not neglect the assembly. The body needs to build itself up in love, but we can't do that if we're not meeting together. If you pick up a bulletin note this week, I tie this thought into the fires of Gatlinburg. The beautiful thing about forest fires, and it sounds weird to say that, because they are devastating and unfortunately lives were lost. But fire strengthens a forest. The body strengthens the Christian. Another reason why it's so important to not neglect our assembling is because we need to be ready and well prepared for the coming persecution against the church. We know that it's coming. It's coming someday. We just don't know when. But we must be prepared. So we, must, uh, we need to be devoted to one another, teaching and admonishing one another with sound doctrine, songs, and fellowship, especially our youth. They're the first targets of the world. When they get out of the nest, they're free game. They are the first targets of the world. The world is going to grab them quickly. And they're going to try to influence them and rip away the rope that they've held on to through their childhood, if that rope has been properly established. But if they're ill-prepared to face the world, the rope that the world offers is going to be an easy one to take a hold of. But unfortunately, that rope is not tied to the sure and steadfast anchor of our hope, who is Jesus Christ. It's tied to the unsure and weak, false hope of earthly gains, prosperity, and selfishness, and it leads to death. Our hope leads to eternal life. And we know we need to be preparing for these things because the writer ends this exhortation with the phrase, the day drawing near. Now my version and many of your versions may have day capitalized. There's no capitalization in the Greek to indicate that. Now, the Bible and the writer, they're not very clear on what the day refers to. It's possible that it refers to the Lord's day. It's possible it refers to the return of Christ, the day of judgment, or possibly the day of destruction of Jerusalem. When Hebrews was written, Jerusalem had still not been destroyed. It had still not fallen to the Romans. But it was drawing near. The next three to five years, it would happen, depending on when this letter was written. But that meaning... If, if the writer means the day drawing near, if he means the day of the destruction of Jerusalem, then it doesn't apply to us, right? Because it's already happened. But we know that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, complete, for every good work. The ambiguous day could have meant something for the audience then, and it can mean something different for us today. No matter what the meaning of the day is, it is intended to be an encouragement for all reading to not fall away from the hope that is Jesus Christ. Whatever the day is, it's a day of calamity. 
It's not a good day. There's an air of warning with this exhortation. So it's not a question of if this day is coming. It's when the day is coming. So when that day comes, should we not, in preparation, do everything we can to put this scripture salad into practice in our lives? I am too. Should we not strive with... (laughs) with all our hearts, to allow this scripture, this section of Hebrews, to transform our thinking and better our focus. We draw near to God through our worship. If you're not here to worship, you're not drawing near to Him. And that hurts the body as a whole. Now I've heard it said, and I've even said it myself many years ago, God is everywhere, I don't need to go to church to be with Him. I don't need a church to worship. I don't need a church to be a Christian. I beg to differ. This scripture in Hebrews is really all I need to know that that's not true. But this scripture was encouraging Jews who had that exact same thought, who were flirting with and considering apostasy, to encourage them not to do that, but to stir up one another to love and good works, holding fast to the hope It is Jesus Christ by drawing near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus and our bodies washed with pure water through baptism. If you don't think that you need church or the assembly to draw near to God, I encourage you to go to our website, loveland.church, and listen to this sermon series back. God is everywhere. I don't need Him to go to church to be with Him. You know what? The atmosphere is full of water. But when you need a drink, you go to a faucet, don't you? God is everywhere, but you need to be able to tap into Him in a manner that is pleasing to Him and not you. Our assembling serves another purpose as well. The teaching and admonishing from the Word of God to convict those present who have not obeyed the gospel according to what the Scripture prescribes. The opportunity to be baptized this morning for the remission of your sins is available. That is, if you are ready and willing to repent of your sin and confess that Jesus is the Son of God, casting your hope anchor toward heaven, setting it down firmly in the foundation of our only hope, Jesus Christ. If you wish to be baptized this morning, or if the church can assist you in any other way, now is the time that you can come while we stand and sing.